WCHD3 Detroit, KMPS HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston. And on AOL Radio. And Yahoo Launchcast. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal. With Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. How legitimate are reincarnation memories? Are there really reptilians? What should you tell your children about Santa Claus? Well, hello there, and welcome to the 510th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Ben's just arriving. And those timely questions came from me. I'm Paul, and uh, Ben is just arriving, as I say. This evening, we bring you the first of two more open line shows to try and catch up with the many questions we receive from listeners. So let's yes. get right to it. So we'll clear out the minds full of emails, and or actually vaults full of emails, and uh, let's start well, with some stuff from Facebook. Yes, exactly. This is from Sandra Jillian. doesn't say where she's from. Alrighty, so Sandra writes to us, This is a strange question, but do you have any advice about what I should tell my children about Santa Claus? Well, I guess that's a timely question for this season. Yeah, I mean, it works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, that's come up more than once. You know, what, talking I, to your kids about Santa Claus? Yeah, like, well, it's, you know, I didn't have any problem talking to you about Santa Claus. You were very much into toys. I and, did I uh, did enjoy toys. Really, we never, we never uh, regretted buying you any because you... Uh, I thought the turtle was so kind of weird, though. The what? The turtle. The live turtle? Yes. Well, that was a dumb idea, giving people pets. <laughs> yeah, and he hissed at you, and you never wanted to talk to him again. Anyway, uh, well, it's a good question. We had no problem with that because um, I, um, in, in a way, believe in Santa Claus, in, in a real way, because uh, the in many, many ancient Christian backgrounds, St. Nicholas is, of course, the basis of Santa. There are other bases of it, and the modern Santa Claus, as we know him, the uh, jolly old elf kind of thing, mm. really came from American cartoonist Thomas Nast in the 1800s, Thomas Nast, uh, the first, or one of the first newspaper cartoonists in America, maybe in the world, and he painted this, the, the Santa Claus we kind of know today. And of course now it's morphed into this sort of a religion of consumerism, which I think ought to be separated from church and state as well uh, as the others. But in any case, uh, I think that uh, if, if you look, however, at the earlier time, St. Nicholas, this is um, a real person. And uh, particularly with the multiverse point of view, people can't die. They're still around in many variations in one world or another, parallel world or another, in, with the quantum physics idea of multiple worlds. And uh, so that's what we told you. We told you straight. I believe that 100%. And, I'll, and I'll, I, I say that people look at me. There were times, almost every year while you were young, you and your brother, that I, we would find something under that tree that we did not put there. Now, you call me crazy. Call me irresponsible. You know, but, I mean, I think that's... Um, irresponsible. Right. How dare you let those presents you didn't know get there, get under that tree. Okay, I'm, showing, I'm showing my age. That's an old song. I think it was uh, Bing Crosby. Frank Sinatra sang it. Probably. Call me irresponsible. Call me something. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that didn't uh, work. so, but under you know, I'm telling you, this is true. I believe in Saint Nicholas. There's there's great devotion to him in the Eastern Christian Church and among many other people too. A real guy. He was a bishop. In, yeah, Saint Nicholas uh, Day was pretty awesome. What's now Turkey? Yeah, Saint Nicholas Day. You got gifts too. Yeah, that was that awesome. Was an awesome, right in itself. 
And, uh, you know, it's funny. One of the, the the traditions of Christmas is, of course, the stocking, putting the stockings, uh, you know, hung by the fire with care or whatever. And you know how that started? At least the way I heard it. And I've, I've kind of checked into this, and there is there is a, a story that is an ancient story. Whether it actually happened is another question, but someplace in the universe, it multiverse, it happened, or it wouldn't have been told. There, St. Nicholas was a bishop, a Christian bishop in uh, Myra, which was a town in uh, Lycia, which is in present-day Turkey. Now, this is back, what was he, 6th century, way back. Yeah. And he was a, a person of tremendous kindness. Now, how, how much kindness and love do you have to have for it to echo down the centuries as his has? You know, it must, he must have been an unbelievably awesome fellow. So one of the many stories about him is that there was a young, uh, there was a man who had three daughters. And he was uh, so broke that he was going to be forced to sell them into slavery or prostitution. You know, a terrible prospect of your own daughters. But uh, if you look at that today, in, ter- in, in certain places, that's even done today, if you can believe it. Uh, talk about barbaric, but this is this was a problem. And, and St. Nicholas did, he heard about this, didn't want to see this happen. So he didn't know how, and he, he never wanted, this is the key, he never wanted anybody to know that he was doing good things. Because, he, you know, it was, it would, it was a matter of... of, of uh, something he wanted to do without taking any pride or credit for it, and that's the real way to be charitable. Mm. And uh, he went up on the roof, supposedly, of this cottage and dropped coins, gold coins, down the chimney. And the the stockings literally were hung to dry over the, the dying embers of the day's fire, and so they were inside the chimney. And uh, supposedly the coins landed in... The stockings, and that's how the tradition began. Fascinating. And then there are people who say that that, that, that actually happened. Although you know, they're pious legends, you just don't know. That's true. So, um, if you are of a Christian background, <laughs> I would say tell them about Saint Nicholas, Sandra, because he's a real guy. And um, you know, you, you could you could say on, on the presence thing. Well, you know, he he was a, a person of great kindness and love, brought many presents to many people, which is true. And he, uh, the multiverse being what it is, he might just come through and, and, and do that for those who think about him in any world. Because I think that happened in our house. Mm. Nutty as it may sound, you know, but I, I'm a kid at heart, so I have no problem with that whatsoever. And everything we told you was absolutely true. Thanks, Ted. They didn't have to come <laughs> to a point where you said, well, kid, you know, uh, sorry. we Sorry, know, Santa Claus doesn't exist. exist. Well, sure he exists. And always will and always, et cetera, et cetera. So there we go. So that's kind of a cheerful question to begin the evening. Alrighty. Next one is um, Martin from Costa Mesa, California. Alrighty. So Martin writes to us, Mr. Eno, I heard you speak in California a few years ago, and, and I have been listening to your uh, radio podcasts and reading your books. And I've been profoundly influenced uh that they have pro- you have profoundly influenced my thinking, sometimes a profoundly disturbing way, uh, because I teach physics and grew up in a haunted house. Now uh, that you helped me bring the two together, I can see why so many things happened the way they did. My question is about uh, what all this does to human relationships. Something you did get into in your lecture and your shows, um, I have I now have a real sense of kinship with other people and even uh, with animals. I can even see that the ghosts in our house. 
when I was a kid uh, was a part of myself, but still a separate person. So where do we draw the line uh, between what we are and how we function in society on a daily basis? What's the difference between the uh, normal and the crazy? After all, the guy that thinks he's Mozart really is Mozart in a sense. How do we function with the knowledge and experience of the unity? What do you say? Uh, what the line to draw is? Well, I don't know. I mean, is there a line? Is there? A, I don't think so. Well, well, well the, the, the crux of the problem, is, <clears throat> as uh, I'm sorry, uh, Martin. Martin Mar- I'm sorry, Martin points out, is that you've got to live day to day in this particular world. Yeah, I mean, see, if you lived in the mountains, like, by yourself, I mean, I I feel like that's an entirely different story. Many of the great mystics did and do. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're, but if you have to, like, work a 95 job every day, then you kind of need to, like, develop your own line, I suppose. Well, you know, in a way, and and you've pointed this out, that, that has... There are advantages to multiverse awareness, even in that. It's it's not that because you, if you have awareness of the multiverse, that you're you have many different uh, manifestations of your core consciousness in many different bodies, many different worlds. That can help you. And it's not necessarily a one way ticket to the uh, schizophrenia diagnosis. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, you kind of have to, you know, you have to keep your feet on the ground. Yeah, that's that. That's what I was going to say. You, you do. Need, you need you to keep your feet on the ground and detachment is very important because the detachment is an old spiritual concept very ancient and any any mystic will tell you about it it's it's being detached or separated from your problems from other things not, not in the not in an irresponsible sense not in the sense of not taking them seriously but in a sense that it is what it is as mom would say mm. and that it's it, it can be dealt with if you take yourself out of it don't let it get to you Call upon your whole self. In many worlds, you are a very wise person, very sensible. And uh, use what your subconscious tells you. Let your subconscious do the walking, so to speak. All right? It's a good expression. Yeah. Well, I stole it from the phone company I know. Uh. years ago. But <laughs> anyway. Uh, but, yeah, whatever the shoe fits, walk in it. So th- that's kind of the idea there, Martin, although these are very good questions. Now, some people have trouble doing that. Yeah. And some people do it in a very unbalanced and disjointed way without their feet on the ground. And they often write to us. Uh, and, you know, we, we can't judge the people because they we don't know them. And But they, they say some things that really indicate that they're really they, – they just come across as very self-centered. And they come across as very um, unbalanced in that sense. And that's, if you read Yeah, them, that's not the way to be. No. And that kind of throws off everything. That's true. And if Martin is reading about the unity with a capital U – now, there is a capital U there. Yeah. Well, he will. He paid attention when he read Turning Home, um, so, but my last book. So, Good job. Yeah. So uh, what what that is is that the more self-centered you are, which is what you're advised to do by many, many spiritual leaders today. Yeah. The more self-centered you are, uh, the, the, uh, the the less you'll be in touch with yourself because you will you will not be detached in, in the best sense. You will be looking inward instead of outward and the truth is outward you are outward well it's like if you do good things that if you do good things for the sake of doing good things then you're good like yeah Yeah, but i mean if you do things to be like recognized for it or whatever to feel good about yourself then that's self-centered yes and uh, the, the spiritual way in 
my opinion is to forget yourself, and that way you find yourself. Accept yourself, and then forget about it. Get detached, and you'll find yourself in the other the other person. Brilliant. You know, and, and that that's what we're saying here. And I think that's what multiverse awareness can do. I don't think it leads necessarily to any problems at all. Now, having worked in psych hospitals from time to time, uh, we uh, encountered those who were disjointed and unbalanced, but, th- but that can be fixed. All right, and we are coming up on our first break on our open line show, first of two, this, uh, well, end, end of the weekend kind of thing. Yeah. And you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Van Eno on CBS New Sky Radio. We'll be right back to continue our messages from listeners. Stay tuned. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and over here with me is uh, Paul. And right now we are uh, going to continue with our open line show, and we uh, are going to get back to some emails. And it looks like we have a caller. Yeah, we do. We have Leon from Charlotte. Uh, Leon, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Hey, Paul and Ben. How you doing? Pretty fair. How are you? I'm doing fine. Hey, listen, I, I emailed you earlier today, and I, I sort of almost been calling because I'm not such a hot radio person, you know. <laughs> All right. I, I was more in uh, talking privately, but I guess I guess I just decided to do it, so. Okay, yeah, why not? Anyway, uh, one of the things that I had mentioned to you that I thought was really interesting was, uh, as you guys know and, and may not know, is in the Roswell case, uh, I, you know, I've heard that there was really nothing published or nothing really said about Roswell between 1947 when it kind of died down after a month or two, all the way up to when uh, supposedly, what was it, Stan Freeman and uh, Interville interviewed Jesse Marcel. And that was mm. back in, was that 1980 or 1985, something like that? That's funny. We just saw him, too. I should have asked him. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know yeah. off the top of my head. I think no. it was the late 70s, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are, you, yeah. are you guys there? Yes. Yeah. And, and I and I was wondering. I saw a book back in like the late 1960s to 70 in Pittsburgh, where I grew up, in a library. Uh, is actually in Sewickley, where I grew up, and it was a small book. I don't remember the title of it, but I remember reading a good portion of it, and in the library, and uh, it was all about the Roswell incident, and that confuses me because. Supposedly there there were no accountants written of it. I went on the internet and couldn't find this book, and I was just wondering if you guys ever heard anything about that or agree with the fact of what I'm saying about the Roswell incident. Well, um, I don't know really enough about that period to agree or disagree, Leon. But I, I will tell you that we run into this kind of thing all the time. You've got accounts that were written perhaps locally or by someone, and maybe that weren't well publicized and then you you encounter them later on after the the big shots have come in and started to talk about the case so i oh, know it's very likely um i if this was a hardback can... book and it was as i remember of course i was 14 years old i'm 59 now but this this was like a book about you know maybe about the two inches uh maybe an inch and a half thick but it was a hardback and it was a you know it was a a, a book, you know, and I it, yeah. and I, I just can't, when I think about it and think that it was, at, I remember reading about the metal strewn around and uh, and uh, the, the story about, you know, uh, supposedly the, 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 the saucer crashing and then them pull, the government pulling back. And it just is really strange that I, I would have known about that because I was interested real long ago. And that's another thing. I'm, I've been interested and obsessed with the paranormal all my life. And I've never really experienced anything or seen a UFO, but I, I just this is something that I it just am I'm obsessed with. Almost like I've experienced something before. You know, when someone does, you know, experience yeah. something, all of a sudden they just can't let it go. But mm-hmm. I've never experienced anything, and I can't let it go anyway. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that's that's a normal feeling. Let me ask you this, Leon. What the, what else was in the book? Is was it largely the story that we we know today, or that's told well, today? You know, you know, Paul. Wait, as you know, if, if you think back to when you were like in seventh grade. And you were, I remember I was in the library, and I remember holding the book, and I remember reading parts of the book. And I remember the fact that it was hardcover, and I remember about it talking about the strange metal and about the government, you know, denying it. But other than that, you know, I can't say whether it was a chapter of the book or if the whole, if it was the whole book. But as I recall, it was a whole book, and it wasn't, like I said, a huge book. But it was a published book, and, yeah. and it's just you know it's just strange to me, and I know this for for sure, you know. And yeah. apparently, you know, uh, I looked all over the internet to find something about it, and I and I couldn't uh, ha- find anything published before. Uh, who were the two guys that wrote the book with the help of Stan Freeman? Oh, uh, Friedman, yeah. The, um, I, I don't want to say it because I, I know it, but, you know, I, I'm older than you are, so I don't want to get the names wrong. But there were two authors who published a book, I believe, like, in the, the 70s. The guy was... who wrote the Bermuda Triangle thing, Berlitz. Oh, Berlitz, yeah, okay. He was one I... of the authors that was someone else, and Stan Freeman was a contributor. But he oh, wasn't okay. really yeah. given credit on the, on the cover. Yeah, well, he may he he uh, will tell you that he was the first civilian investigator of that case. But again, that was after you you read it. Let, but, you, we, and I can get back yeah. to you privately and on that. Only, or maybe not only that, maybe someone hearing this, you know, for, with the live yeah. thing, and then all the podcasts. And I was even going to call the library, but I mean, it's been so long that book's probably I don't know with if it's still there or whatever. But it's the Swickley Library in. Uh, in Pittsburgh, that I, Pittsburgh, I remember sure, where sure. I was in the library, you know, when I was yeah. holding the book. But, but anyway, that's one point I wanted to bring up. The other point that I wanted to bring up was, and maybe someone will, will either email you or, or give us some more information about about this book. But uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was it's always been strange to me, and I, I emailed you about this that uh, you know, in a paranormal incident uh, when things happen and like. When someone walks out of a room and then they'll walk back in the kitchen and, and chairs will be stacked to the ceiling. Or in a room, all of a sudden, someone will walk in the room, walk out of the room, and walk back in. And, like, all, all the uh, cupboard doors will be open, all of them in the, in the kitchen. And you know how, uh, Paul, this is how, and Ben, this is all, always, you know, you hear about these things, right? Am I right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just wondering, has any of this ever, these kinds of incidents where one thing moves from one place to another, number one, is there a name for that in the paranormal? And number two, has anyone had a camera set up where things like this are caught, where, where all of a sudden you can see how this stuff transpires? Because it's always been interesting to me what you guys call this in the paranormal and what this would look like to actually see these chairs or these covered doors opened in the fractions of a second that they're supposed to open and be stacked. Well, there are two points there, Leon. One is that in cases I've been involved with, it's funny, these things happen very quickly and unexpectedly. Right. In in the poltergeist cases, and the, the term for, I don't know anything beyond the terms of psychokinesis or telekinesis for stuff moving without visible means, uh, that's the general term, or, or those are the general terms. And when when you have these these things happen, 
um, you're not looking directly at the object. Very rarely are you looking directly at the object. I'm thinking of two cases in Connecticut back in the 70s, and in one, you know, you'd hear a bang, and you'd see the, the table flipping across the floor. But no one was looking directly at it when it occurred. That's that's not always the case, but in my experience, that's mostly the case. All right, there are uh, or you're in a different room and it happens. As right. far now, of course, today everybody's got video cameras of some kind, cell phone, you name it. They have stuff set up. I've set stuff up, and uh, usually when I do it, nothing happens. I'm thinking of the ferry case in Puerto Rico in 1984. <laughs> that was embarrassing. That's a long story. Anyway, uh, you, you can. But it has supposedly these things have been caught on camera, but of course the problem today is you you don't know if it's really really true. One of the cases we we're working on in Maine, Ben, remember the doll? Oh God, yeah. It's always these dolls that get you every time. This was uh, we were not present for this, but the person who was experiencing this, the head of the family, was videotaping a doll that he said you know the thing would come in and play with. He said, and you could see the doll. Uh, sit up as though it was being moved, like, but but in, in a split second. And the first question that arose for us was, gee, maybe the guy stopped it, set it up, and then started the camera again. But a video expert said that that had not been the case as far as he could see. And I put that on YouTube, and I re- almost regret it because people said, oh, come on, Paul, you can't believe that. And all, it looks like the guy, you know, so it's just, you really can't win, Leon, with some of this well, stuff. Well, the thing, the thing Paul, is that I, I'm convinced after all the accounts I've read about and, and uh, heard about, that these things about stacking of chairs to the ceiling and cupboard doors opening when you when you come back in the kitchen after just having been there, like all the cupboard doors and all the drawers are open. I'm convinced that this happens. Okay, I, I'm convinced. Oh, yeah, no, I've seen some of that. that yeah, uh, I've never seen but, some stuff. What I'm saying this. is, I'd love to see that happen. In other words, on video. I, I mean, I'm wondering, do you think anyone will ever capture it? I, I would imagine eventually someone will. Oh, I think so. Well, if you watch these ghost hunting shows, they capture all sorts of things. I don't know if they're legit or not. I've seen a cupboard door banging back and forth, you know, and uh, questions arose about uh, the infra- infrasound business, you know, so that, that, could, that could perhaps cause that. Uh, questions also arose of whether, uh, you know, a quote-unquote entity was actually causing it or whether the energies surrounding the paranormal event were just causing it to happen spontaneously. These are all questions. Yeah, I've, I've seen stuff like that. I've been hit by stuff. I've been hurt by stuff. But yeah. uh, I've, although I've never seen stuff piled to the ceiling in an instant, I must say, that's... Uh, wasn't that in Are the, you convinced that something like, something like that happens, that chairs get stacked up in the ceiling in a, in a matter of a second when someone walks in and out of a room? Uh, well, that, yeah, I, I don't see why not. I mean, it, what, what happens in these situations, in my opinion, is that you, you've got funny things happening with space-time, right. as we've explained a lot. Right. And like when the car stops in a UFO incident and then it starts up again, I'm convinced that something happens with space-time. Because the car starts right back up, it never stopped in the first place. Yeah, if an EMP stopped it, it wouldn't start by itself, as far as I know. Speaking of right. cars, there, there there was a situation where people, and again, I didn't see it myself, but I saw the car. People were looking out their windows in Attleboro, Massachusetts. I don't think you were involved in that case, Ben. No, nope. for your time, the car would turn around instantly in the driveway, as if it's as if somebody just picked it up and turned it around facing the other direction. And they said they saw that more than once, and uh, it was instantaneous. 
It wasn't as well, if it I remember, rose up. Uh, Paul, you talking about when large objects like a refrigerator were moved in, in one of the cases you had. So things of, of really heavy, heavy weight, you know, have been, been yeah. documented to have been moved. That's right. Yeah, I could have seen it myself. Have yeah. you ever done, if you ever, I'm sure you may, might have heard of the, I call it the paranormal weight loss experiment. It's uh, a well-known party trick, and you put somebody down, especially somebody who's really heavy set, maybe, and you do certain things with your hands, and you you put your, your fingers under their armpits and their knee their knees, and you can lift them up. You know, and, and it's like paranormal weight loss. It's like you're, you're there's some kind of maybe some sort of similar principle involved. Maybe you're doing strange things in space time or whatever. But uh, it seems like the physical laws of physics, I should say, the laws of physics can be manipulated to some degree in that case. So, um, in any well, case, you, uh, you guys, uh, I don't want to take up any more time, but uh, I, you know, I appreciate uh, all the shows that you've given us out here, and uh, I certainly, you know, love listening to them on my on my, uh, on my Galaxy Note here, and uh, I really <laughs> appreciate appreciate your efforts. But I'll stay in touch with you guys, and um, well, please I do. Appreciate you let me call in. Very good. Hey, and thank you for it. calling in, Leon. Uh, you have good timing because we're about to take a break. Fantastic. And I thought you were. How about that? How do you like that? <laughs> You're thank you. After all. To know it's about time for me to say goodbye. Okay. Well, we'll talk to you soon and stay in touch. I'll get back to you by email. Yeah, have a good one. Okay, okay guys. Thank Thanks. Okay. Bye. All right, everybody. Leon from Charlotte. Okay, we are uh, coming up on our bottom of the hour break here. It's Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS News Sky Radio. We're having an open line show this evening, and you're welcome to call in. The guy who sounds like um, Nick Pope will give you the number when we come back from our break. But stay with us. We'll be right back with more emails and hopefully calls. Take care. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and over here with me is my father, Paul. And we're going to get right back to our emails slash Facebook messages. And here is one from... Uh, Stingo, he writes to us, Hey Ben, I have uh, listened to over 300 of your podcasts from over the years, and it was uh, like hearing you grow up. I was... <laughs> that's it, you grow up hearing you. Yeah, no, I guess that's a... I guess my voice grows a little bit mm. with each podcast. Uh, I was wondering if you run into uh, friends with paranormal problems. How do you help them, or are you too close to the scene if uh, some, some of your uh, friends uh, need help, or somebody you're friends with needs help? How did they treat you in school if they knew you were into this? Hmm. Um, well, to make this really quick, because we have other things to do. Um, yes, I do have friends who do have paranormal problems. Um, how do I help them? Usually they listen to my advice, but they don't carry it out. Like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense, and then they do nothing about it. Hmm. Or um, so. Although, yeah, that is kind of a good assessment, that if I'm too close to somebody, then like the help just doesn't really work. Which is kind of weird. Get to say more about it's interesting. Well, we, we've never really talked about that. I kind of leave you to your own. Yeah, well, case. I don't really, I don't really talk about it much. But it's like I do, I do tend to help people out when I, if I do get asked to help, like that. I'm, I'm like friends with them or something. But usually, most of the time, they just tell me something happens and then they ask for my input, and then they either disregard it completely, or they, they, a, they disregard it completely. B, they sort of understand but don't understand or see it totally makes sense to them and then it changes their lives so <laughs> it it really really depends on the person and how do they treat me in school huh. well either if and when i did talk about it most of the time i didn't um people thought it was cool and that was basically it and i just didn't really talk about it ever <laughs> well, let me ask this what percentage of your friends if you don't mind me asking would take your advice and be helped, and what percentage would would not, or, or, or would say give you lip service and then not? Uh, I'd say ten percent people actually following through, and then the other ninety giving me lip service. Why do you think they did that? Too much work, or probably, <laughs> probably they're all very busy people. So, oh sure, sure. Did you encounter people as I have? Who, who seem excited about being even a victim of the paranormal? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, because totally. It, yeah, they're yeah. like, oh wow, this is happening in my house. Blah blah blah, and it's just yeah, like it may not be special in any other way, but whatever these cosmic beings are, or whatever. Yeah, it was weird. I'd like talk about cases, and then they'd try to outdo me with things they experienced. Really? Yeah, of course. I'm not friends with most of these people anymore, but they would try to outdo me, which was like not the purpose of this. It's no, just no. like it's like. No, I'm trying to help you. Not wow. it's not a contest to see who's cooler. It's like see, see that really makes me nervous. You, I've seen so many people who have had that very characteristic of being almost excited about what's happening. So this is not a good thing that's happening. No, it's not. No, and unless you decide that you're going to do something about it, because the person who's the center of it, if, if the person, if there is a center of it, who's, who's human, uh, has to do something about it. Yeah, I mean, there were people that would talk about it and be interested about it, not, like, to the point where they were, 
Like, yeah, this is happening to me. It's so cool, but yeah, not like that. Not, not. I don't usually deal with people like that anymore. Well, you see that with Ouija board users and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, there are some people who are like that, but then I'm just yeah. like, you, that's just stupid. <laughs> I just didn't really, that. You're just stupid. <laughs> well, you have to take one person at a time, I guess. Yeah, basically. All right, and the next one is uh, from Maria in Phoenix. Alrighty, so Maria writes to us, Hey, Paul and Ben, I heard uh, you, Paul, lecture here in Phoenix a couple of years ago, and you really got me thinking. Then I heard you on, on the air mention that you are related to uh, Julia Ward Howe, uh, who uh, woke up one night and just sat down and wrote the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Did uh, she do that because she was in touch with somebody else in the multiverse? What do you think of uh, people that sit uh, sit down and uh, write a book they say is dedicated or, or dictated by the ghost of Charles Dickens? Uh, could it be true because uh, they are in touch with him in the multiverse? Interesting. What do you think? Well... You do hear about that. Yeah, but I think that would be weird if, like, Charles Dickens was just like... I feel like I'm going to write a book. I'm going to dictate it to you. I feel like that. Well, I, I feel like the way that that's put. I mean, I just think it's kind of goofy. But I don't. I think it's entirely possible. I mean, dictated. That's entire. That's an entirely different thing. I mean, that just sounds like some sort of mental thing. But if it's like somewhere, somewhere, you are like Mozart or whatever, and decide to write a symphony, then you just happen to connect with that. And then, yeah, that that's that's completely plausible. Well, that's what I think it probably would be. Is, is yeah, I mean, if you start hearing voices in your head of I something think. saying it's Charles Dickens, then I'd think, I'd start to wonder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, I was thinking too of this this fellow who was the translate the alleged interpreter when President Obama was in South Africa at the Mandela funeral, and the, the guy was turned out to be some kind of guy who had psychiatric issues and. Um, Violent tendencies and wait, what? Just fit. You didn't hear this? No. Oh, yeah. I don't watch the news. <laughs> All right. Well, sometimes. Well, now just remember the Mandela funeral just occurred. Yes. And uh, the interpreter, I should say, the 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 sign language interpreter, the interpreter for the deaf, was there next to the all these heads of state including our own president, and he was doing all this stuff with his hands, and, and the people who were deaf dance said, it, it was just gibberish, it didn't mean anything. <laughs> and then, then it turned out, he got even worse, that the fellow was uh, some sort of, uh, had been, had had issues with schizophrenia, and it was he, it said he was hearing voices uh, during this event, in front of all these millions of people, you know? And there weren't that many people in the stadium, because I guess it was pouring rain, but it, millions are watching around the world, and so, I mean, all, kinds of, all sorts of awful things could have happened. So he, um, there was that kind of made me made me think of this kind of thing. If people are hearing voices, uh, you do run into that all the time. It's one of the the uh, symptoms of schizophrenia, clinically speaking. Right. So, uh, in any case, uh, I don't think we're talking about that. I think we're talking about someone who was aware of perhaps an identity here. And uh, of course, uh, it's just you really have to take it case by case. Well, Julia Ward Howe, the story is, uh, and she is a distant cousin. She's not some close relative. That she woke up. Uh, just I guess as just as dawn was breaking, and she usually slept a little later than that, felt compelled to get up and sit down and write, um, I believe it was the words to the Battle Hymn of the Republic that we know today and that were later set to music. I may be getting it wrong, but were later set to music by someone else. But the point is that she felt compelled to do this. And you do hear this kind of thing. And uh, matter of fact, we encourage people to do that. If they were interested in remembering their dreams, just keep a little pad by your bed. If you do happen to wake up, you write it down before you forget it. You never know 
might be interesting in one way or another. Yeah. So I, I suppose this this could be something interesting here, Maria. Um, people sometimes can be, I guess, in touch with uh, who they are somewhere or someone else. Might be someone famous, but uh, as far as reincarnation is concerned, uh, that's another story. We don't really believe in that ourselves. Uh, in the classical sense, because time doesn't seem to exist that way from the viewpoint of physics. So, I don't know. There's really nothing else you can say about that. But, yeah, I think that can be legitimate, and or it could be just goofy. I don't know. Right. You know, so. All right, well, the next one is uh, from Annie in Pittsburgh. So, Annie writes to us, uh, Can you talk more about the uh, small shadow people you have seen cases? Are they always demons, and what does it mean? I think I am seeing them. Oh, well, all right. Well, I think back to a case that we both know about personally, and I started in 1998. You were just a wee lad and hadn't started working with me yet. Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. The case in Rhode Island yep. where there were – we've seen this and I've seen this in, in many cases. I don't know if you and I have run into it personally, uh, except for the case in Connecticut where people, the weird things were jumping by the window and anything. Yeah. Happen. Yeah. But the uh, the idea is you've got these little shadowy figures, all right, that people often see out of the corner of their eye, or uh, sometimes they can look directly at them, and they seem to there seem to be several of them at a time, and they will run through the house and whatever they're doing, I don't know. But the, the idea of shadow people comes up now. Interestingly enough, we're doing a show next week with Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and that's going to be our Monday show, and we're going to talk about shadow people. And see what uh, Rosemary always has uh, some interesting thoughts. So, and shall we put this this message on hold, <laughs> so to speak? Well, yeah, I might say, yeah. Why don't, why don't we, Annie? If you would listen to uh, the show a week from tomorrow, I think you'll be able to. You'll get you'll get a better, get a better yes, you'll get a better quality answer. From, I think that's right for a more ex for a more expert guest. Yeah, more expert. I don't think that's true. That's a real expression. Uh, well, someone no, no, who is someone more of more of an expert in that area. Okay. All right. Uh, the next one is from John Schiller in New York City. So John writes to us, In UFO studies, what do you think of the idea of reptilians? I've heard Bill Burns on your show, and uh, he seems to give them credibility. What do you know about them, and could they really exist? Some people also believe that they take human form. From what you say, all of this is possible in the multiverse. Well, reptilians. What can we say about reptilians? I really don't know much about it, even though we've had people talk about them on the show. Yeah. I mean, well, they're very. It's a very confusing subject. Well, the idea is that this is supposed to be one of the forms of aliens. Okay, and right. you know, when you say aliens, most people think space aliens, somebody from other planets. Well, that may or may not be the case. I don't know. The uh, Greys were often who often figure in UFO cases. Sometimes are described as having scaly skin. All right. Yeah. There are all sorts of theories about this. One is that they could be time travelers, and if if you look at at uh, at all the past with dinosaurs not having been wiped out by whatever wiped them out, the current theory is comets. Although they're starting to talk more about volcanoes, the um, possibilities might have been rather striking for them to have evolved into uh, quote unquote intelligent beings. Right. Mm. So what would they look like? They might stand upright. They might have scaly skin, certainly, because they would have had a different evolutionary history from ourselves. Very different. So this is one idea. Another idea is that they are from other worlds and that they have underground bases. I mean, you name it. This stuff uh, is is discussed in, in serious ways by lots of people. And, it, you know, who knows? 
Uh, Bill Burns, I was rather surprised that he uh, seems to put some credibility into this. I mean, again, again, why not? I mean, I just, I just find it a little. I just think that. that what you what, what you see in the paranormal is not all, always what you get. Things are not what they appear to be. So I, I think there might be other ways of looking at this. But we'll talk about that anyway when we come back. We do have another break, final break of the show. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS News Sky Radio. We'll get back to John's question about reptilians, reptilians in just a moment. So stay with us. This is where the mind meets the soul cbs radios the new sky new skyradio.com Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New skyradio.com. 
Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and over here is Paul, and we are going to get right back to our uh, last segment of the show with emails. Yeah, we're just finishing one up from John in New York City, and he's asking about reptilians, these lovable creatures who are reported in UFO cases and in all sorts of other things. Like gremlins. Uh, one of the, I think the bottom line with this is that a lot of people believe these are an alien race who actually pull the strings on this planet, right? Right. And you know, some of the parasites, as we call them, we deal with, you know, I mean, I, there might be something to some of that. I don't know. I just I think you have to kind of keep your feet on the ground here, too. But at the same time, anything is possible in the multiverse. So uh, one of the, the issues here is that some people believe they take human form. And I don't know how many times I've heard people say, oh, my gosh, look at this video, and it's a video of some prominent politician or something, and all of a sudden it kind of goes a little pixelated, aha, and their eyes turn red. It's, aha, is it really a reptile? Is it really no. the inner circle controlling things? And Ben, having some experience with um, media. media. You know what's fun about uh, TV? We don't actually see the whole picture. We only see a bunch of little dots. Not even with Blu-ray? no. What? No, that's a, type I'm of, that's a type of disc that you put data on. Yes, no. I'm not quite that answer. No. Well, the thing is, with TV, it's a bunch of little dots, and our brain fills in the holes in between. Mm. So that so when they say it's a 1080p or whatever, that's 1,080 pixels. So there's only pixels that we see, but our brain fills in the rest with what we think should be there. Mm. So, I mean, if these people are thinking that they see these weird, like, things with red eyes or whatever, then... There's probably some. There's probably something wrong with their with their um, eyes. Maybe. maybe I mean, yeah. I mean, because you have after images and stuff, which you do tend to stick with you. Like if you stare at a light bulb for a really long time, and or look at the sun for a really long time. I mean, that's one explanation right there. Two, if it gets all like fuzzy, I mean, that could just be a result of your cable company or whatever. Yeah, I, mean, I think really the answer here. John, is that there really is no answer. At least we don't have any particular opinion. We're always open-minded, and anything is possible. But we don't really have any committed anything to commit to uh, on that. Uh, the next one is from Mike. Uh, it doesn't say where he's from. So Mike, from wherever you're from, uh, writes to us, Everyone in my family can remember past lives, and that includes me. The older we get in my family, the more we can remember. The young kids can also remember. I think it's more, isn't it? No, oh, sure. unless there's a second page. There's a second page. Alrighty. Uh, but they forget when they get older, and then they seem to remember again. What does this mean, and how is it real? Are these really memories of past lives? Uh, you say you don't believe in reincarnation. I, think I just said it five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> funny. Uh, synchronicity there. Well, I'll tell you, Mike. Um, I don't know. Ben, what do you think on this issue? I mean, the, the, these, it's interesting that it... It seems to be a family trait, which is not unusual. Well, first of all, let's establish some things first. One, time as we know it doesn't exist. It's only a function of our consciousness to say, to, well, to keep our lives organized. So that does that means there's no future and no past. There's only the present. So these are parallel. Simultaneous things we think of as past yes. and future are really just. So they are running indeed. So they are running parallel. With each other. So therefore, somehow, your family seems to um, probably has some sort of trait or wherever, whatever to be able to remember all these things, probably because they're so close to your other lives. It'd be wonderful to know what exactly these lives were rather than, you know... You mean are. Whatever are. Sorry. There we go. Slip of the uh, tenses. Tip of the slug. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's, it's been a long time. Well, yeah, I don't agree. Uh, I think that uh, one thing that's interesting is you often see that. You know, it's funny, uh, when you and your brother were born, uh, of course, that's the most wonderful experience anyone can have, in my opinion, is is to hold your own child. You know, there's just nothing like it. And it, it changes everything about your life. And when I first looked into your eyes, both of you, I got the most knowing look. I know return. who you are. And you, well, yeah, and you know, I would, you know, mom and I would talk to you before you were born, things of this kind. But it was more than that. There was there was a deep knowledge, seemingly, in those eyes. And maybe I was, you know, the, the emotion of the moment. Maybe I was reading into it. But but you were um, a remarkable child from the beginning. You still are a remarkable child, and uh, thanks, Dad. You you would tell these amazing stories from the from the day you could talk about these different people you were, you know, particularly soldiers, you, you know, and you didn't know an awful lot about this. Man, gosh, you you won, so it was very interesting. So yeah, there, there seemed to be a lot of memories of some kind or awarenesses, and then as you get farther away from, I guess, the translation, I suppose, if you want to call it. Death to rebirth or uh, whatever like reincarnation, whatever. But plenty of times people switch consciousness to seemingly in the middle of their lives, at least from what we've seen. Uh, whatever it may be, there seems as you get into your conscious life or whatever, you end up uh, sort of maybe forgetting a lot of this. And then as you get older, I find that now that I'm past 60, I uh, have a real awareness now maybe of, of other uh of, of, of not, not of other lives, but, but of, a, of a greater life, of a, of a more whole life that involves many different, I suppose, facets, I guess you might call it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think that, that what uh, he's saying here, Mike, is that, uh, is, is that different from what happens to, to a lot of people. They just maybe are more aware of it. Maybe they talk about it more, those sort of things. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if it's accepted in your family then that's that's wonderful yeah but is it real sure it's real i don't think it's past lives i think it's parallel lives right so we must change our tenses in this case yeah exactly so okay so we're i guess down to our last two minutes here and uh we got through i'll get through all the facebook ones but i think we'll have to delve into the others tomorrow uh, tomorrow night indeed so you can visit our show website at behindtheparentnormal.com where uh, you can find over 500 free podcasts of all of our past shows and also check out our site at www.newenglandghosts.com where there are case studies and photos along with articles by my dad you can find my books on Barnes & Noble Look, e-reader, and Amazon Kindle, and in all the usual suspect places. But if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, I'll be happy to sign them for you, if that gives you a thrill. And you will help us uh, keep all those podcasts free. Also on our websites, you'll find direct links to several charities Ben and I have adopted, including USA Cares, Builders Helping Heroes, and Canadian Veterans Advocacy. So many thanks to our producer, Brandon Jackson, and uh, next week, December 22nd, right here on CBS New Sky, we will welcome Edwin Becker, best-selling author of uh, True Haunting, for a look at events uh, surrounding that case in uh, 1971 when it became the first uh, case filmed for network TV. Yeah, that, that was kind of a first. That, that was a year of first, actually, 1971. Mm. And uh, it's based on a house that he lived in. Oh, so cool. it's, not, it's not secondhand. <clears throat> nice. uh, so anyway, in the meantime, tune into our Boston Providence Drive Time Show on WOON twelve forty and onworldwide.com dot com at six p.m. Eastern Time, three Pacific, every Monday. And we leave you this evening with a thought from the great American author Ralph Waldo Emerson. 
The greatest glory in living lies not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time.